Okay, so how about this? How about every year we send it, we, like the failures of 2023, you put them in a time capsule. Yeah. I don't know. What do you do with it? You put it in cement? Or what uh, you you can bury it. Yeah, just bury it in the ground. In the ground. <laughs> or blast it, it off space. into space. <laughs> so all of our failure will be circling the earth forevermore. I like that idea. I like it. What are you doing? I'm being orbited by failure. You're listening to The Occupational Philosophers with Simon Banks and John Rice. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Occupational Philosophers, the not-so-serious business podcast, which is a mashup of the worlds of creativity, curiosity, with a big healthy dash of philosophy thrown in. The reason being, we believe, these three things are essential for the world of work and a wonderful wingman in the world of life. John, hello. Hello, Simon. Hello. Got a very special episode today. Yeah. So this is, let's, I'm going to call this In the Wild series, John. So what's going on? Who are you in the wild with? Tell me more. Well, this was a fantastic opportunity. I had none other than the lovely, delightful, and very funny Dr. Samuel West. He came to London. He came to London to talk at the Global Innovation Forum, which is an annual event that's been taking place over a number of years now. And Samuel was invited to speak. More interestingly, he was invited to create a pop-up Museum of Failure. People may remember from when we had him as a guest that uh, the Museum of Failure was one of the big ideas that he was showcasing and he was taking it to different cities around the world. Obviously, there's a hope that you might take it down under at one point. And he had a pop-up. So it was a sort of small selection of some of those <laughs> failed products and services that maybe are the ones that are most enjoyable for people. He put those together. So in between the talks, people were going into the Museum of Failure and uh, giggling to themselves and taking photos. Now, Samuel's a pretty funny guy or a very funny guy, and make sure you go back and listen to his earlier episode. What did you catch up on about? What did you talk about? What can we expect in the next 30 minutes or so? What you can expect, Simon, is something that's a little bit looser than usual because uh, we uh, decanted to a pub nearby to the Global Innovation Forum. And was there some decanting in the pub? There was some decanting of ales in the pub because Samuel was quite keen to have some English ales. So we were supping on English ales. So there's a little bit of background noise as well, but it adds to the the kind of atmosphere and the ambiance. And we chat about all manner of different topics, including his early research into play, which is really interesting to hear the original studies and thesis that he did around play. Then he obviously talks about uh, the Global Innovation Forum, some of the people who caught his eye, some of the themes that were explored in that. He talks about the subject of being too serious and how people need to lighten (laughs) up. And he reveals who he thinks are the most serious and least fun. So listening for that. (laughs) I hope you're not on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Number one. (laughs) Um, He also talks about ideas, obviously, because that's at the heart of the Global Innovation Forum. Interestingly, it's the idea about ideas that it's all about execution of ideas that becomes the critical factor. So he talks to that. He also talks about a film by a company called General Magic, and he urges everybody to watch the General Magic film. He'll explain more about that, but fundamentally, it's the one of the offshoots from Apple, it was a, a research and development arm to that 
organization and they were left to uh, sit in a shed at the end of the driveway and uh, just create fantastic products many of which and most of which never saw the light of day but interestingly led to some of the things that we now use uh, some 20 30 years later so that's really interesting he talks to that John, that sounds like a pretty awesome spot to jump on in, In the Wild with Dr. Samuel West. Enjoy. When I did uh, my PhD, I did three different studies. And my, my focus was on playfulness in the workplace and how a playful attitude allows you to experiment and explore because play is not it's rooted in reality, yeah. but it has an element of imagination and fantasy there. So you're allowed, when in play, I can hit you and it'll be part of the game, but I wouldn't, if it's not in play, I, I'm not allowed to go up to some dude and hit him. Yeah. But I am, and I'm allowed to do something in play, which is not allowed in. Is that the idea? Because you, this is the old sandbox thing, isn't it? You play the sandbox yeah. and you can contain the risk. Yes. So in play, it's like, we both willingly go into another realm temporarily where we're detached from the consequences. Okay. Like we can do things in play which we would never allow ourselves or allow each other to do outside of play. Anyway, so um, I was... And that, that, that was the bedrock of your research. Yeah, my, my dissertation was yeah. originally on or, that. On, on that yeah. uh, but, but, and, and focused on how a playful approach uh, facilitates creativity. So like, if, you, if you're willing to have a playful moment with a group or another person, then that uh, allows you to start thinking less sort of, less focused on the objectives, like yeah. whether it's organizational or social. I was doing these studies and I used improvisational theater as a playful element in these teams that I was studying. I don't I can't remember how many teams I have, but I had quite a few teams. I worked quite hard on this. And these half of the teams were a control group. They got nothing. Yeah. They just got to answer my questionnaires. And the other half of the of the teams, there were existing teams in different IT companies in Sweden. Yeah. And they got three sessions with improv theater with a professional it's very playful i don't know if you're familiar yeah yeah yeah, it's super yeah. Playful. and again neil malarkey was obviously yeah, one of the yeah. ones, uh, a lot of the work exactly, he does is, exactly is, 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 is and my dissertation was about creativity and playfulness so i couldn't report these findings but the i would say probably the most interesting outcome of these teams that did improv theater the mm. playful experiences there together was that they became much more curious about each other and i asked the each team you know they had a, a their nearest manager or leader and it was not part of the, the experiment but i used the data collection to ask their neck the highest yeah. high the person ne above them in the, line, in the hierarchy next, in the line yeah. and consistently from these teams that have done the improv theater mm. was I'm, I don't know what you've done to them but they're they are they seem genuinely more interested in each other how they're working how they think and I was like this is the magic screw creativity <laughs> this is the real stuff yeah but I couldn't report it 
And is that and was was the play? Because that's the other thing as well. Isn't it? Is you you can play in the context of a business simulation could mm. be play, mm. but or or would you be having activities that would generally play? They would just be playing at doing an improv sketch or something. Yeah, like for, that. For it didn't matter. No, for this for this study, I was had to be really strict. So okay. it was play within the context of an improvisational improv course. Yeah, it's called improv for business or something. It was an improv course, but adapted. But I think it doesn't matter as long as it is a genuinely playful session or activity the problem is when there's something called lego play yes yeah. serious lego serious uh, play yeah, serious, serious play, play yeah and um no offense to anybody out there but um i hate it <laughs> because it's they take something that could be playful and it's just operationalized into such a strict like they they take it and they make it decisively not fun like, <laughs> so you're building with Legos. Are you going to put that in the museum? Of <laughs> no, they kill me. <laughs> I have too many friends who like serious play. So, now I just, I don't know. There's something non-playful about it. Um, it's almost forced play. It is, which it's, becomes it's forced not play, playful. and forced play is not play. Like. Was it? We were chatting to um, Professor Sophie Scott. So she's a neuroscientist, and we were chatting to her. And a lot of the work she does is around laughter. Mm. And so they laughter. And I started to have this idea, and she was saying, look, if you open up teams and people to laughter, that then has some more empathy, they start to then play. Yeah. So I was wondering whether laughter was the gateway drug mm. to play, and play was the gateway drug to, to curiosity, and on we go. <laughs> then you get I, to the harder stuff. I just think, <laughs> maybe, I mean, you're... <laughs> what should people get hooked on? Well, you know... I've invested in play, so it's play. <laughs> <laughs> the, no. answer, the answer is play. There's a lot of like activities in our work lives that we do that are unnecessary. Like they, there's a lot of activity going on that's not necessary. Mm. We don't know why we do it, but it feels right. Right. And one of those things is, is being serious. <laughs> yes. If I've got a, a business, my clothes on and my proper shiny shoes and, yeah. and I'm a professional, then it feels better to be serious because no one can criticize me. No. If I, no. I'm, I'm a clinical psychologist and I, this and this, whatever. Which is why you're wearing a white coat right <laughs> now. <laughs> That's why you're Mr. in a straight jacket. <laughs> bit strange in a pub. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like this, being serious means you if I'm serious you can dislike me like, mm. that's fine but if I'm serious you can't really I'm not vulnerable I'm yes. not open you, you you can hate me that's fine but you can never question mm. me in that sense but mm. if I'm if I let go of that seriousness for a while um, and I laugh or I'm playful or yeah. something vulnerable, then all of a sudden I'm open to criticism and that's yeah. risky. It's loss of control, isn't it? Because laughter, Super. again, in the same with uh, Safe Scott, is, you know, it's, it, it is involuntary. Yeah. And it's, it's that moment where one has lost control yeah. of one's, <laughs> I was going to say, not faculties, no. but, but <laughs> to, to a degree. Sort of. What else did she, I'm curious, what else did she say? Like, no, I think it was, well, uh, one of the favourite facts was that rats are ticklish. There you go. Mm. Mm. Take that one. And mice are not. 
Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah, it's a, it's, there's research that um, rats are playful. Yeah. But mice are not playful. Yeah, that's interesting. A, why am why? I so serious? Yeah. <laughs> you're a, you're, be happy to be rat-like. Be rat-like, yes. It's a new, it's going to be a new so rats are <laughs> term of affection. Well, but, but like, what? how do you relate, like, what do you take, how do you take that discussion with her and related to what, what you're doing? Or well, I, I, I think the it, it was trying to see if there was a, a, some sort of way in, I suppose. So it's, it's almost like, you know, it's like anything, any skill that you might be building. You can't just go in and go, right, okay, guys, jump in the plane, let's start flying. <laughs> There's some okay. Let's uh, um, let's uh, let's try what the joystick feels yeah, like. Yeah. This is a joystick, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. this is the you know, and it's on the ground or whatever. So I was wondering. The insight for me was whether, as I say, laughter and encouraging yeah. them to get to yeah. know each other yeah. in quite a playful environment yeah. was step one. Yeah, forget everything else. Yeah, forget yeah, what the intent was. Ignore everything else. All of yeah. that. Yeah. And, and again, you you would have that thing of okay, how does this relate to yeah. anything? Yeah. The serious people. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's a serious. Ser- that is on. a serious question. <laughs> <laughs> they put the serious face on. And I wondered, and so then, but if I, I think if you can show them the journey that you're trying to take them on a mm. little. So, okay, look, we're doing this because mm. it leads us into having more curiosity mm. and empathy, and that's mm. going to lead us into being able to work more effectively as a team. It's going to lead someplace it's very lead good, yeah. That instinctively, the other thing I think is instinctively everybody knows that it's better if we can sort of open up because we know we'll yeah, increase collaboration. It, it feels if we we'll get the you, synergy and all you of just that. sense that it's the right way, but there's just too many obstacles. Too many obstacles, fear and seriousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For what? Interesting. Interesting. I gave up seriousness a long time ago. Yeah, I know. I can't be bothered. I'm too old now. <laughs> The least fun people to work with, and when at least my experience, like oh, being on. a dish and yeah, yeah, I'm, who's, yeah who's I'm gonna, that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. throw them completely under the bus. The, the so so I was working with creative, like being a creativity consultant, helping uh, teams and companies be more creative. This is before I got into the whole museum of failure stuff, and everyone says like, you know, oh, but the young people are so creative, and we should. We, us old people, we should like, we should be inspired by the young and they're so free and they're unburdened by et cetera, experience yeah. and all this. But my experience is that the worst groups, like when it comes to creativity, are the, the, the you know, 18 to 23 year olds. Ah. The ones that we intuitively say, oh no, but those are the new generation. New ideas, pushing things they're forward. They're horrible. They're so, and it doesn't matter if they were in the university setting or in work setting. They, as a group, in that age group, are so preoccupied with being an adult and being serious and taken seriously that they have a hard time letting go. And it does make sense. You're trying to prove yourself in, in, yeah. in the adult world. Parties today? Yeah. I, I'm too old to be invited to those parties. Yes. But the parties today are less fun yeah. than they were when we were kids, mm-hmm. younger. Because when we were younger, nobody could film you 
drunk or film you doing stupid things and destroy your life for a while, you know? But today, you can't really allow yourself to be a complete... Could you spot them a mile off, wouldn't you, in our day? Because they'd be stood in the corner with a camera on tripod and a blanket over their head. And you stand still while you'd be there for three minutes. I mean, but there's something there. If your silly moments are captured on film and pub published for the world to see. Yes, of course you're not silly. But if, if when we were younger, we, you could actually be wasted at a party, you could do stupid things or whatever, and it it was only damaging in the moment. Yeah, yeah, the next morning. We, yeah, and oh. maybe a couple of days later. <laughs> a few phone calls, iron it all out. Just, you can, can you extrapolate from that? Because that's quite interesting to then current attitudes to failure about the things that people do feel more exposed or to a wider audience yeah. that means the fear of failure is, is increasing. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I have I, I had some discussions about that. I don't, I don't know exactly where to take it because the, on the one hand, if you fail now, you can, it can be held against you for, yes. you know, in a more powerful way. Yeah. But there's also a, cha a shift in that it's, at least the younger people, mm. as they enter sort of work life or whatever they're doing, there seems to be still some kind of like, yeah, everybody, not everybody's always perfect on social media. Like there's, yeah. there's a counter reaction. Starting to, to emerge. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not yeah. sure if that's entirely mm. only bad, like that. But running counter to that, you are, I mean, you, I mean, Museum of Failure is like stratospheric, isn't it? There's, yeah, there's this momentum very, where people go, this is brilliant, we absolutely crazy, need to yeah. celebrate failure. Absolutely. And I, I noticed that there was, um, in fact, this year alone, isn't it? Amy Edmondson, yeah. the right kind of role. Yeah. And uh, Kostika Brandai, I'll, I'll give yeah, what, name, yeah, give me the but name. But in praise of failure, yeah, oh, yeah, a, a, yeah. another one. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, yeah, Amy Edmondson I mean, is huge. This is filters again. I'm yeah. seeing it everywhere. Yeah, now, no, Amy Edmondson the same. I actually unfollowed her on LinkedIn because I can't be bothered seeing it three times a day. <laughs> but the book, is, I read the book. The book is good. Yeah. And the, maybe. <laughs> Did you say she, uh, and I think you said in one of your posts, she goes, and she mentioned Samuel West. It wasn't me, Samuel West. It was another Samuel West. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up that. <laughs> she has. So I get the book. The first thing I do, it's an it's a e-book. The first thing I do is I search. I, before I even open the book, I search. Is Museum of Failure, there? am I in there? And, and I, Museum <laughs> of Failure is not in there. And I go, okay, maybe she used, because she wrote a whole book about failure. Like how, the museum, has been around, the museum has been around for five years. It's not like yeah. new. So it, it wasn't in there. It's like, how can you write a book about failure and not have Museum of Failure in there? Yeah. I said, okay, but maybe she used another term. So I just searched my own name, and up pops Samuel West, and I was like, yeah, that's right, I'm in there. Turns out it's a, a father of a telecom inventor in the States. <laughs> I think you need to reconnect with her, follow her again, and put, ping her. I do follow put, her. I put just a DM in her Twitter stream. I just paused it for a while. She has a very productive PR team. <laughs> no, but it, failure might be, I've heard some people say that a failure, we've reached peak failure. Yeah. Like, like there's not much more there and it's going to die down. Do you mean as a planet? 
<laughs> yeah, no, as a, no, as a species. Yeah, but like as in like in well, in that case, we we're we're long lost. Your, your museum might be the only thing left standing in the apocalyptic wasteland. Oh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Me and the cockroaches. Will. You will ultimately win. <laughs> yes, it will be. It will be staffed by cockroaches. I don't know. Judge. If tickets on the door. If, if that's what they want, I'm happy. <laughs> Give the people what they want. <laughs> So the Global Innovation Forum, this has been happening for a number of years now. I think but this is the been, first time you've yeah. Come I think along that I think the conference has been like eight nine years. Yeah, something like that. This is the first time I'm here in person. I think last year I, I did a, a Zoom something, oh, okay. and of course then there was COVID. So yeah, before then. But yeah, I think it's a it's a good conference. And what's uh, what's what's caught your eye? Some of the speakers that are particularly being so, as usually in any good conference, it's the it's the people you chat with uh, in okay. between the sessions. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. Like the main thing. Okay. Speak. We had uh, just before lunch uh, today was I can't remember her name. She's the creative director. I hope I'm saying this right of yeah. of, of Twitter or X in, oh, okay. in Europe, Africa, and Middle East. Yeah, she was doing a chat just before lunch, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she okay. was actually, she was she was good. I mean, she's facing an uphill battle there with all the criticism of, mm. of, of everything at X. Did, did she talk to that at all? And... She did, she mentioned, she identified the elephant in the room. Yeah. But of course she didn't focus the, any time The Elon font. <laughs> the font, yes. <laughs> Mr. M <laughs> elephant. Yeah, I was going to say elephant man, but that would be bad. <laughs> Let's go with elephant yeah, mask. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, um, that sounds like a perfume. Sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> we could get horrible. That in the museum as well. The, <laughs> she was had some good examples of like how they you can use like Twitter isn't her basic thing with Twitter isn't dead. Like, okay. It's still an active platform with users and stuff, which was kind of interesting to hear because in my mind Twitter is I've written it off I'm, I'm ready to yeah. put it in the museum yeah but but from after listening to her I was like no it's still it's still an active platform I, I just don't use it that's um, interesting just because I was thinking about that because I think you posted something about yeah. when does it go yeah. when yeah. does it go in yeah. and and it wasn't it wasn't unanimous people are not I was like, going to say because yeah, different no. criteria here because yeah. the idea of it wasn't a failure it's that somebody's come in and crashed and burned it and sort of yeah, it into um, the Yeah, but my thing was, <laughs> I wouldn't put Twitter in the museum of failure, but maybe the transition from mm. Twitter to a Musk company or the transition from Twitter to X. Yeah. So that, I could yeah. put that in the failure, but apparently, and, and, and I've talked to, after that poll on LinkedIn, some people reached out from different camps. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm on the line now. I don't actually know if Twitter is dead or not. Not that I really care. No. But, <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's not that easy. Like, it, it's not, we can't, it's too early to write off. Cheers. So cheers. <laughs> well, by the way, we're drinking, uh, I'm drinking Doomba and Samuel's drinking Hobgoblin Gold. I'm sure he'll give a, a uh, I like score on it later. I'm gonna score right now while I'm still somewhat clear, <laughs> clear-minded. Keep listening um, when we get I to point seven. 
it's also here at the at the Global Innovation Forum here. They um, some of the speakers and some of the discussions are like about how ideas are great and everything. Like yeah. you can have great ideas or identify you know gaps in the market or need. You get all this stuff that you need to start, but like if you don't have the implementation, you're kind of it doesn't matter how great your honestly it doesn't matter how great your ideas are if you can't execute them. Which is uh, so, that's a bit Steve Jobs, wasn't he? He was yeah, all about yeah, that, yeah, it's about execution, yeah. yeah. And that's what he excelled at. Yeah, I mean, there's a book I love. It's it's an oldie, but maybe it's twenty twenty five years. I don't know how old it is, but it's in the innovation business. You know, yeah. if it's more than a year old, it's old. <laughs> but but it's called the name of the book is Ideas Are Are Free. Like, okay. And yeah. basically, or cheap, right? I can't remember the exact one. Ideas are free. I'll make sure I, I get the, get um, the reference in the, in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the premises of the book is like we, that we, we sometimes attribute way too much to the actual ideas and yeah. the ideation, where like those are really cheap and they're easy and they're free. Like anybody can have an idea. But the book was about is like harness those, get those yeah. ideas, but. Don't make a big deal out of them, and then refine it and see which ones are worth pursuing, and then execute it. Yeah, and that's what the, that's the difficult part. Was there ever? Did you find, ever find a kind of direct correlation between the number of ideas being generated? So it was the more ideas, the yeah, more ideas is better. Absolutely, yeah. will yield something brilliant yeah. at the end of it. I, You've got I to think keep, so, but yeah, okay. there has to be a feedback loop, which yeah. we all know people who are super creative. But useless, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. their ideas, like, are stupid and they're not feasible. And they're not. They don't even lead to better ideas. Like, there's some people just who just free spin and they they think they're creative because they can generate novel. I can create novel yes. ideas all day long, yeah. you know. But they're not useful. You so got they're one not now. Cre- <laughs> I have a whole bunch. You want to hear? Well, you haven't even asked me about my cheese bicycle or not. <laughs> Please tell me about your. <laughs> I just think of this a bike that delivers cheese. That was it. Oh, it was I, very, oh, I very, it, oh I, yeah. No, I had another idea. Oh, I mean, I, when you said it, I. You thought it was a bicycle made of cheese? Yes. <laughs> Let's see which one wins out. I think. <laughs> I don't know. I could. I, I could do. I mean, if I saw a bicycle made out of cheese, I would definitely turn around. I would pay no attention. <laughs> I mean, you would. You would. Pay, would you pay money for it? No. Yeah. And I wouldn't eat it. Right? Yesterday, I had a dinner with some people from the conference, and two of them were film producers that done the General Magic film, which yeah, you have yeah. to watch. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you, that's a, that's not a negotiable, right? Yeah. There. And I tell that to Simon as well. Yeah, yeah. It's non-negotiable. And. They were describing how I, I was curious about the process of, like, how do you, like, oh, I have an idea for a film. That's, that's the easy part. Yeah. And then, like, what does it actually look like? And they described the process, like, you have the idea, then you have to write a script, which most people just don't do because it's just too much work. Yeah. Then you have a script, and then it has to be refined and everything. So that, all that is a lab, like, a laborious process. And then you get, and then you, have this good, and then you have to do a. I can't remember what you call it. Storyboard. A, yeah. You basically have to communicate your vision for the film, even in in um, visuals, 
like sketches and yeah. like what's the mood of the, of the film. And once you have that, that's already there. You have a lot of work. And once you have that, then you have to try to get money. And that's it. Funding or somebody to invest. To put it into production. And then you then you can start making. So no yeah. wonder. A lot of it just falls away. It falls away. It's, it's a lot of work, mm -hmm. you know. And not people are not prepared to put in the work, no. are they? And then, and then she, no, exactly. <laughs> and then she said that, unfortunately, and I was like, but there's a lot of shit films out there. And she's like, yeah, and the reason is because there's a lot of nepotism and like there's people with unfair, like unfair or advantages. Wheels where, being oiled and sort and of things happening where oh oh. Yeah. I'll I'll give you money for a film just because of whatever reasons they are, and then then a person has money to make it, but they haven't done the groundwork, which leads to a bad film. Yeah, it's kind of it's fascinating. Like, <laughs> like everything is difficult. <laughs> and have you got a book that you haven't written yet? I have like a hundred. Have you? <laughs> Can you give us a title one of them? That's I have that, one. That's. I have, uh, Oh, this, is a, this is a failure gently story. Gently simmering in the slow cooker. No, this is a of sad, your mind. Yeah, this is a sad story. <laughs> oh no! Um, I had, I've written a few books, and uh, none of them have been fantastically successful. Uh, mainly because they're in Swedish, which no, there's only nine million Swedes, and half of them can't read. So, um, <laughs> but okay. um, that's our listenership in Sweden <laughs> just falling off a cliff. Because if they're not reading, they're probably listening to this. Really? Because they can't read. Oh no! Exactly. I'm sorry, Swedish people. Um, but uh, so Museum of Fairy got like this massive surge of attention in, in global media in 2017. It was just, it was crazy, and I went and within six months I had uh, 17 book offers. Wow! Like publishers, serious ones, you yeah. know, and everything in between, with concrete. I was like, we want a book of yeah. Museum of Fairy. And having and it absolutely lends itself to that, doesn't it? Totally, yeah. totally. And the background is I, because I've done, I've written a few books before, yeah, in different genres, and I know how impossible it is. I know how impossible it is to get a publisher. Like it's it's insanely difficult. So that all of a sudden, I had seventeen offers on the table. Seventeen. It's insane. That is incredible. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. So I. In my hubris at the time, I was like, well, if I have 17, I can just pick and choose. So I just took the top one. Like the one of it, it's probably the biggest publisher in the world. Yeah. And, all right. And it's very prestigious. I uh, I yeah, recognize yeah. it was like awesome. And it hurts to talk about it. And I, so stupid. So, I, so, I, so I, 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 you're listening to <laughs> therapy with the occupational philosophers. Today's person on the couch is Samuel West. Thank you for seeing me. The, okay, so so I connected with the missioning editor. We had a great chat. Everything was great, and then I didn't write the book. And. When is the book gonna? When are you gonna start? Yes, but I was so busy, I I couldn't. I had no time to write the book, and no energy, and and I didn't do it. And then two or three years later, and this is a, I re. I was like, okay, now I'm, now I'm ready. Like, mm, now I'm ready to write a book. You know, yeah. 
the book. The book. So I connected with the publisher again, saying, oh, I'm sorry, I've, whatever, some excuses and stuff. And then the publisher told me, he didn't say to f off, but he basically told me. <laughs> Don't use that. No, 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 it's posh British. They, he, he basically told me that, um, well, by now there's too many books on failure, it's not interesting anymore, so we're not interested. Oh, oh, that's smart. And that was the best, that was like a, yeah. the top dog publisher. And then after that, I was like, okay, I learned, I learned my, I, you learned I learned the lesson. That. Like, so yeah. that was timing. It was timing. And just, I thought I, I know, I know how difficult and how much time it takes to write a book. So I didn't want to just say, yeah, I'll finish it by Monday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I should have, I should have. Now I regret I should have actually taken time then to do it because I think it would have been beneficial. Yeah, yeah. Because now I have a museum, but I don't, I don't have a book, and Amy Edmondson gets all the credit <laughs> for the book. She'll come visit one day. I'm sure she I think will. so. Yeah, yeah I think so. So the Global Innovation Forum, you were saying, kind of feels like your tribe. There's yeah. loads of good conversations happening in between. Have they followed some of the themes from the actual talks themselves that have caught your attention? So the, there's, the themes are so varied. Yeah. But there was one work... So I did I, I joined two workshops yesterday. One was the General Magic, the movie, or film, um, about this company that Apple started uh, where they took the best engineers of the town that, that, that developed the Macintosh they were like rock stars yeah. engineers put them put a, made a company gave them plenty of money and said innovate and they did and they kept innovating but they never produced anything so the company went bankrupt but the stuff they innovated is what made our current world yeah, tech yeah. world possible. Like, they actually envisioned the smartphone uh, in the whatever year it must have been early eighties or like way back when when it just wasn't technologically feasible. Super fascinating film and the people that made the film now offer workshops to help companies sort of learn from mm -hmm. the failures of that spectacular fiasco yeah. general uh, magic and I, I was just inspired I love the way I took a film and instead of just having a PowerPoint and some key points to go through and discuss which I'm used that's what I do yeah <laughs> they used the it was more like a culture like a I don't know like you you watch a film and you critique and discuss yeah, a film. Like a film screening. A film a Q &A it, it, it is a film yeah, screen yeah. with a Q and A yeah. about uh, it's it's genius, nice, it. Genius. Yeah. Genius concept. I wanna work with them, so they're they're that's cool. Um, <laughs> Did they but that's interesting as well. So they innovated a lot of stuff, but it didn't then then move they to didn't, execution. They, no, or they anything never they, they they failed to deliver the product. But they ended up with this receptacle yeah. of loads of ideas yeah, which they then people come back and went they oh, didn't benefit oh, that's not bad one and now's the time yeah they uh, they invented like infrared technology then invented the icon I, I don't know the list is huge like what they actually 
foresaw te technology-wise yeah. and actually created it. It crazy stuff. Like back when when the technology wasn't ready for them. Yeah. And then each one of those people in the company General Magic, they went on, maybe not all, but most of them went on to, uh, you know, found eBay, LinkedIn, yeah. uh, developed the iPod for Apple, all these things. Like they went on to great, great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they all that had that common experience of working in a ambitious moonshot sort of company yeah. but also there was no management there were no deliverables yeah. they 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 screwed up on the, that part and so in that regard does apple represent a model that's almost managed to connect those two bits together very well yeah, well it wasn't apple rather than, i know you were yeah saying. it wasn't apple so yes they definitely so rather than leaving them out in a barn <laughs> at the bottom of the field they actually go, do they, you know what? We'll be, yeah. We can have a barn Apple, connected to the main building. They, they, but what Apple did is they, they actually, no, uh, joke aside, they, they actually put them, like, they were so secretive. Yeah. I, I'm not going to explain anymore. You have to watch the yeah. movie. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Have you had any, um, you were saying about the conversations that happened in between the talks. Yeah. But have you had any funny questions or, or, or things where you've just been surprised at what people have asked about the museum or, and or just as you, you've had a conversation that has gone in a very unexpected direction? Yeah. Feel free to say no. No, I, um, I haven't, I'm kind of used to most of the questions. I have that. But I, they're, they're, do they ask questions like, "What's this all about?" No, no, not at this, not at this, this conference. They know. But in, they're all innovation nerds. Yeah. So there, there's no convincing. They yeah. get it. They're like, "This is genius." They yeah. like, every, it's good. So their question, like, they are more about because they're in the business. Yeah. They're more like, yeah, but more like, how specifically is this or that a thing? Okay. Uh, a lot so of they'd be getting into things. Of, is this about execution? Yeah, is exactly. They're they're more ideation They're more like yeah. they, nerds. which I love because yeah. it's innovation a, a nerds. Yeah, they're total yeah. total nerds. Nerdivators. Have you thought about whether you could put any of this stuff in a time capsule? So future generations <laughs> would go. What the hell is all this crap? Don't you think they're going to say that anyway? <laughs> well, no. They might think it because yeah. they'll be higher-level beings by that stage. Maybe, maybe we should have a. Or time blast it into space. Forget gold, hey. gold engraved discs. Why don't we just blast Dude, the Museum blast. of Failure into no, space? No, we should do. No, we should do better. Should... This is an idea coming after two pints. Two by the pints. Way. Okay, we're almost done with the second year. <laughs> okay, so how about this? How about every year we send it, we, like the failures of twenty twenty three. You put them in a time capsule. Yeah. I don't know. What do you do with it? You put it in cement? Or what uh, you you can bury it. Yeah, just bury it in the ground. In the ground. <laughs> or blast it, it off space. into space. So all of our failure will be circling the Earth forevermore. I like that idea. I like it. What are you doing? I'm being orbited by failure. <laughs> and by, by that logic, maybe people who've really failed that year could also be blasted into orbit. Yeah. Can I choose which ones? Yes. <laughs> I orbit? think we'll have a popular vote. <laughs> Who would you like to blast into? Orbit? 
So, the Museum of Failure. Again, fantastic response to it. I have two questions. Why does it resonate so much in your mind? And you must be starting to think of what's next in yeah. terms of topic and yeah. theme that you want to really yeah. get under the skin of. Totally. So what's that? Um, why does it resonate and, and, and what next, I guess? I thought a lot about why Museum of Failure resonates, why it's so popular. And I think there's two main reasons. Uh, one is that it feels it feels like it's it's authenticity mm. because we're surrounded by communication people, spin doctors, yeah. PR consultants, and everyone is trying to manipulate and skew them any kind of narrative to make the client the company look good right yeah, yeah, yeah. no matter what happens it's it's never a failure it's just a challenge that we've met or something. yeah yeah and and i think people even even consumers are kind of like fed up with all this shiny images yeah of of companies and leaders and whatever who just never fail and it's kind of old, like, and, and Museum of Failure comes in and says, this is the reality, and it feels refreshing. So I think that's, it's human, it's yes. real. Like, air is human, you know? Yeah, I there's mean, a shared humanity piece. Yeah, that, so that's, I think that's a huge part of it. I think Skaudenfraude, the joy of seeing others okay, yeah. fail or... Yes, or, oh, oh, yes, Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude, yeah. Is... It's part of it. It's fun to see people fall down, you know? This is fun Charlie Chapman and the banana skin. Yeah, yeah. We've that's, always... That's, that's part of it. <laughs> I think those two things together, but then I also... I, there's something also um, liberating about the whole... You know, if, if these big multinationals can fail, then we can also fail and try something. Yeah. Launch same some same way we like to see celebrities struggling yeah. with the same Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same yeah, yeah. They, they, they also uh, take drugs and get fat. Or, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so really like, they're just like us. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So I think, I think those are the main things. And then this, the stories of failure are sometimes they're they're so varied so they're actually quite they're i think they're more interesting than stories of success which oftentimes very trite like yeah yeah that's i think that those are the explanations that i've thought myself but i've also gotten feedback is it because yeah because you can gloss stories of success, can't you? You can then cherry pick and then go, oh, and this was the story. And so you're trying to say, oh, we did that, that, this, that. Whereas failure is a bit more difficult to gloss, isn't it? You, yeah, well, you they can, try. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. They could say experimentation, iteration. Yeah, it's not a failure if you, it's not a, it's not a failure if it, it's not a failure if you call it an experiment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that one though. Which is which is true, isn't it? That it is, is actually the attitude like, you're I, trying to. I do to like to. That is what I'm trying, trying to communicate. Trying to communicate, yeah. yeah. And what's next? Yeah, I have so many things I want to do. I get. I'm turning 15, and very soon, I'm getting stressed. Like, I I want to do so many things. Yeah. And I'm like, shit! I have to start prioritizing. Like, do you mean things like skydiving, bungee no, jumps, no, stuff like that, no, swimming with dolphins? No? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> those are on the. You mean, those are on the side. You mean something line. more productive. I just want. I just want to try all kinds. Of, I I've, I want to try all kinds of ideas. I have. I have a friend who who's 
who's uh, it's her idea she that I I love it's what I like to do is to do projects where it's now I'm, now I'm it's two beers in here <laughs> uh, I like to do projects where I can do something that changes people's perspective or assumptions or challenges yes. them yeah. I love that I don't know if that's art or if it's whatever the creative yeah. I'd like to somehow with people's minds just to have them uh, jar things yeah so that they it go, doesn't oh, I'm okay. not saying I have the correct path I just I just like we get so stuck in ruts yeah um, and so I'll, anything that just lifts them out of something go, yeah oh, okay. yeah I mean I started disgusting food museum for oh, that yes. reason uh, <laughs> I sold it I'm not involved with it anymore but I started it for just to like get people to question those assumptions mm -hmm. yeah and and a museum is a fun way to do it because it's physical, it's mm. visual, it's yeah, disgusting yeah. food. You can smell and taste it and touch say, it as well. Fun to curate. <laughs> well, John, I'm so disappointed I couldn't join you for that chat. I would have loved to have been there. One, I love English pubs as much as anyone. And two, what a funny guy Samuel is. Now, we always pull apart a little bit of what we liked, our little highlights. I love the idea of blasting the Museum of Failure into space. And I really like how he dived into why he thinks the Museum of Failure resonates so well with people. And it does. It's gone all over the world. And as we said, hopefully we'll bring it to this side of the world as well. What about you, upon reflection? What were your little highlights from that? Well, chat? I was I was really interested in the early part. We just talked about those original studies that he really dived into the topic of play, which is something we've talked a bit on this show. And I think there's more to explore there. So I'm interested to go back to that as a topic. So it was nice to hear Sam talk about that. It's great to hear just how much he sort of uh, felt an affinity to the tribe at the Global Innovation Forum. He was all these like minds coming together, exploring a wide, a wide spectrum of ideas and topics that are sort of very much the zeitgeist. So that was really interesting. And the ideas to execution piece as well, that was, you know, that was interesting. Of course, we could all have great ideas, but it's the seeing it through and actually the hard work and persistence and effort that's needed to, to do that. So yeah, I, I thought it was great. It was very much aided by the consumption of some ales. I'll publish the tasting sure. notes. <laughs> and um, these cheese and onion crisps go really well with a uh, London bitter <laughs> and then a nice hobgoblin as a, a palate cleanser and I'm going to go and watch the General Magic movie because he's urging that to you and I quite strongly and I think that extends to anybody listening in go check out the General Magic movie yeah, interesting on that note of play, I've been rewriting uh, all my keynotes for next year and I wanted to do one specifically on play, but then play is in every other keynote. So I just mashed it up. So I really, yeah, I'm really sort of fascinated by this idea and it's almost like a, a dirty four-letter word, isn't it? I like how it sort of <laughs> <laughs> freaks everyone out. <laughs> the moment you say play at work, it's like, whoo, oh, you've dropped a, you've dropped the F-bomb or something. <laughs> See people run for the door. So watch the space in keynote land. <laughs> but look, John, as always, apart from my general sadness and not joining you, great episode, great to line up that chat. And as always, when we leave here today, when you go out into the world, look up, 
smile at the grayness or the sunshine, wherever you are in your part of the world, what do we want people to do? We want them to stay curious, have fun, play more, make stuff, and... And most importantly, date life.